0: Hello and uh, welcome to Knocking Tea Kettles. We're finally back after a hiatus, and I am here with the first Skype interviewed across the country with Joshua <laughs> Kane. Hey, Joshua. So-
1: So many firsts. The first first. back, the first Skype interview, the first awesome, truly awesome person. Clearly. Are you talking about you? (laughs) No, that other guy. (laughs) Daniel, he's part of the interview too. Greg.
0: (laughs) Hi, Daniel. (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) That Daniel?
1: I don't know. I just made up a name. (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) wait.
0: We're, we're forty seconds in and we're already completely off track. So <laughs> it's gonna go. It's been a while since I've done one of these, but I do remember that the first question is: Josh Kane, can you describe yourself in one sentence?
1: Um. Yeah. This question. I actually thought about it right before I called you, um, and uh, I guess I would say. Um, now that you've been doing these for a year, I think people are going to catch on. Cause I, I, mean, think I haven't that done have it to... for a year. So, Well, okay. <laughs> um, I would say that, or at least what I like to think of myself as, is um, like a crotchety old editor in a young man's body. Because um, I feel like, I mean, obviously I've been dedicated to journalism for, you know, that I'm making that a career of that, so... Um, and it's just something that I think a lot of journalists have where they're crotchety sort of, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: I I mean, I know what the, like, I have a feeling. What, what do you mean by crotchety?
1: Well, maybe cyn- cynical is a better word.
0: Do you think uh, you're, do you think you're, do you think you're cynical?
1: I mean, not, not purely from like the negative part of it. Um, but just more like cynicism, um, for, you know, like, inquiry's sake, like, not believing anyone until you can prove it yourself. Um, So it's not, you know, cynical is probably not the right word because it's a little too negative, but it's something that I think most journalists have. Um, And if you don't really have that, then, uh, you know, I don't know if you can, if you're exactly cut out for it. It's It's just a way to, look at the world where you're const- constantly asking questions about everything, so...
0: Is that something that you think that you had before you were a journalist and it fit into it, or something that you learned along with journalism? Um,
1: it might be something, it's probably a little bit of both, because, uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of us sort of um, idolize uh, certain journalists. I mean, you know, there's obviously the Woodward and Bernstein's of the world, and Stuff like that. I try to not do that as much, but it's still definitely part of why you want to be a journalist. I mean, you have the, um, you sort of imagine the old newsrooms where, um, you know, it's just that. It's like, uh, well, it's like Gus from The Wire, which I just finished. (laughs) Um, But we can talk about The Wire later. Right. Yeah. I'll take a note. But yeah, it's exactly that. It's just somewhat, you idolize these old sort of like veteran reporters and they're always sort of like jaded and like sort of just mean, but in a you know very mentory sort of way. But, uh,
0: but, so, but what, what in you sort of felt that you matched that, what, what, what experiences did you have growing up that sort of attracted you to that mentality? Did you find yourself being overly cynical when you were
1: growing up or what? I don't think so. I, I honestly like what uh, attracted me to journalism initially was that. that
0: sexy, sexy journalism.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. All those hot, hot journalists. Um, but no, it was just that in junior high, there was a. We had six electives that we could take, um, and one of them was journalism. And I thought, hey, I'm good at writing five paragraph essays. Maybe I'll be good at writing news stories, and then I took it, and then I just really liked it. So that sort of is what started it. Started it.
0: But the the, the crotchety part, like what what would you uh, def- would you define like do you you said you you are a crotchety old type, but why do you think you're crotchety? Like what 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 is why do you self identify as crotchety?
1: Well, just think about the sort of. I mean, it's something that I feel like I grew into. Like um, just to answer that question, like it's not something that I think I was as like a sixth grader taking an elective. It's not something that I like, you know, you're cynical in junior high or anything, or really cynical in high school. Or at least I I mean I was one of the smart kids probably, but so any sort of like cynicism that goes with that. But um but yeah, uh I would say I mean when you just look at the industry we're in, I mean I'm gonna go work at a newspaper pretty soon. And that's like it's just sort of associated with um that kind of, uh, I mean, it's associated with an older generation and it's associated with like a different time. Um, obviously it's changing and the job that I'm going to be doing pretty soon is all digital. So it's not like we're, (laughs) I'm going into, you know, starting a newspaper or something, but it's just the aesthetic almost. It's just sort of like a, a thing that you think about journalists. Um, you think about them as the, the sort of rabble-rousers, the people who, like, go into a situation and try to shake things up. Um, so it's sort of a righteous anger, almost. But do you feel like you're forcing yourself into that personality? No. Now I definitely am that personality, for sure. Um, it's just, and it just comes from, like, uh, I, just, I, I am that way now, for sure. Um, but I think it's something that I grew into. It's not something I was, like, born with in any sort, or I mean that I entered uh, my interest for journalism with that kind of attitude, but it's just something that I like, uh, it's it, anybody who sort of questions things, I think you have, that's part of you. Well, you said something interesting, which is that you sort of associated
0: intelligence with cynicism. Can you yeah. sort of, can you go into what you, what you meant by that when you said you were younger and that you were intelligent, that that seemed like you should be in a more cynical something more cynical what, what what do you associate between cynicism and intelligence
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> well maybe it might just be my preference you know like I associate people that I like who are intelligent while at the same time they're sort of can you can you think uh, of any
0: people who you sort of um, that, well like the classic
1: examples like it, does, S- it
0: doesn't have to be journalists just people in general
1: I don't know um I don't know if I can think of anyone specifically, but all my, all all the people that I think of are journalists, so, um, but yeah, like, there's a reason everybody sort of idolizes Hunter S. Thompson, he's sort of a...
0: But he wasn't a traditional journalist.
1: No, not at all. Yeah. Um, but... And he also,
0: like, he fudged the truth a lot in his storytelling.
1: Yeah, for sure. So
0: so isn't he antithetical to journalism (laughs) at that point? If you're okay, lately telling lies, hopes and dreams,
1: Alex Walnitz. Well, I mean, like,
0: if, uh, I'm curious. Like, if you're interested in telling the truth, but someone that you love is telling lies, is it that there's a wow. emotional truth Tunter Hunter S. Thompson that you value over literal truth? Or
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's something that you can take in any situation. There always is sort of an emotional truth, and then there's. It's not like he was making up. Uh, like going to a congressional hearing and saying this is what happened instead of this, he was just sort of trying to capture a, a sort of vibe of a situation. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't really serve the story to um, just tell it straight like it was. Um, you sort of have to do it, give more of a feeling, and that's so, okay. So I'm, why?
0: So if if that's what if that's one your heroes, why did you push towards? a more traditional journalist job where you don't have that flexibility to pick and choose, where you're sort of, you are dutifully pushed to choose, this is how it happened, I can't, picking and choosing is then selectively editing, and we're framing a story in a certain way that I believe in journalism you shouldn't be doing. So what made you shy away from sort of that more fungible reporting?
1: Well, honestly, like... It's just the, the logistics of the situation. I mean, even guys like Tom Wolf or like Hunter; those guys, they all started as like beat reporters. Um, so, and it just their writing evolved. So, what I'm doing right now, I mean, I don't think I would ever. I just like the the sort of the bustle and like the the con the constant nature of news. Like, I'm always having to do something, and I think I need that to like. Um, sort of focus and uh, uh, you know, stay dedicated to something, but yeah, everybody, this is just how everybody does it. Um, well, I mean,
0: yeah, but in the future, is it the the inundation of so much happening that you enjoy, or is it the or would you rather be able to focus on one specific thing and maybe like write a book about one thing, which, is it the randomness and everything happening at once, or the ability
1: to sort of focus on one thing, which which do you prefer? I don't know. I don't know if I'm that deep enough into it yet i think i mean right now i like um i do like that sort of ca- that chaos of it um but i can totally see myself sitting down to write a book one day i would love to do that if uh, if, if, um, if, if, if tomorrow someone a, 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 a,
0: a book company came up to you and says here's a blank check you have to write a research book about one topic what, top, what, what topic would that be?
1: Oh, geez. So you can do a
0: thousand page. We'll give you as much money, as much time as you want, but you have to tell us what the topic is. What would it be?
1: Man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, what I like right now, um, it probably wouldn't require however much these publishers are giving me, but I love good biographical um, so, so focusing the, on individuals as opposed to I love that, but um, but if I wanted to like maximize the dollar value, I would do some kind of like conflict. Okay, this is this is this is a this is a, theor- this is a theoretical question. Don't worry about the <laughs> money.
0: Well, I don't want to cheat them out of a shitty topic. There's going to be so much imaginary money. I'm worried.
1: <laughs> so, might okay, fire me.
0: answer both questions. What person would you want to focus on, and then what if you could if you could cover someone in history or somebody currently? In death, what kind of person? What person would that be?
1: Um, a president or some kind of leader.
0: Which uh, do, you, do, you, do you know? Which president?
1: No, not really. I mean, just the sort of office of it is pretty interesting. Just the power. Uh,
0: have you read any like? Have you read any Corot? Or
1: no, actually, only t- the two recent ones I read were. Uh, I read well, Game Changes a while ago, but then I read the uh, Romney biography before the 2012. It was the unauthorized biography of Romney. It was amazing. I'm going to be real. I wouldn't have voted for the guy, but it was a great, great, like, story about this dude, this, like, weird, weirdo, <laughs> rich guy. It was amazing, though, and I love that kind of writing. They just do a really good job with it. Um, so I'd love to do something like that. That would be amazing. But you um, can't
0: think of any president in the past that you sort of really have always been interested in? or Well,
1: um, I mean, a lot of them stand out. Uh I mean, Obama, right? I mean, that's he's pretty fucking interesting, so... No, uh,
0: no no, Bill Clinton in salmon-colored
1: shirts? Bill Clinton would also be the civilian. The salmon, his salmon his salmon, pink shirts. I know. This, he's Bill Clinton the civilian. Yeah, okay. Shout I thought you should establish for the
0: listeners is that this has always been a joke, that Bill Clinton <laughs> as a president was okay, but Bill Clinton, the post-president, when he wears a pink salmon shirt, is the the greatest human. He's the greatest guy i mean not look at president that book Clinton, just go it in a salmon colored shirt
1: <laughs> look at that shirt choice no
0: tie just tucked in pink shirt
1: yeah even better if it's yeah. short-sleeved and drinking like uh like a arnold palmer or something out of a can I don't know why. Out of a not yes. 99
0: cents arnold palmer can no <laughs>
1: i'm a never mind <laughs> sure
0: yes sorry i'm the derailing and then so that's your person. What what would be the history thing, or what would be the event that you?
1: I don't know. Um, I don't have any. That's the, that's hard to say. I haven't sat down and real. It's just sort of a, a dream. Um, it's. I think it's, you know, just being a writer. You want to sort of tackle that. Um, one, uh, I think the hardest thing to write probably is like a long form. Uh, uh, just a book or like an article, anything like that, because partially because writers hate their writing. <laughs> like they just yes, that is,
0: that is true. That is very true.
1: <laughs> so, just to sort of grapple with it for months and months is such a huge challenge that I'd love to take on eventually. Um, I mean, basically, I think you can break it down. Like, if you're going to, like, the, what I love about reporting right now. The the hustle and bustle is great, but it just pays the bills. I mean, I think what most writers want to do is something they can, you know, like, look, here's my book. Like, you can put that on a table and say, I wrote this thing. Go read it.
0: Yeah, I, 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 no, I, I agree. But I'm just want, I just about you. Like, what would be like, what is really interesting you as like a topic that you would love? I'm just like, it doesn't it doesn't have to be the answer. But like, as of today, what would be something that you would be really interested in writing about?
1: I mean politics for sure. Okay, what I, is it?
0: What is it about politics that?
1: Um, it's sort of like the ultimate thing that any reporter gets to cover.
0: Do you think that's true for every reporter, or is it true for you? I mean, it's it, true not for every. Me.
1: Wh- it's why, true for me? For why? Sure.
0: Wh- what's? Where's the connection to politics?
1: I don't know. Um, it's just, uh, it's just interesting. It's so high stakes. Um, I mean, and there's so much attention, and there's so much...
0: But war has high stakes. Why not be a war reporter? Well,
1: I thought about it. <laughs> it's and wh- wh- just... And
0: uh, why, why, why did you choose not to? Because <laughs> I'm an only child. <laughs> okay. Can't that's go... A, that's, that's, a, let, that's a good leverage point. Let's go back in Josh Kane history. So, sure. where... Uh, we, we can fill up your... Where's your mother's side, your grandparents from your mom's side from? How did they... What's the story there?
1: Um, this is another thing that I thought about the other day, randomly. Um, so I didn't know for a while. And so like, a lot of my family doesn't really know where they're from. But we basically...
0: How far... I mean, as far back as you can tell.
1: Right. I know... Well, specifically, I know that my grandma's side and my mom's side, um, I just like signed up for a genealogy account randomly in college. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, I didn't really do anything with it, but um, <laughs> the one person that I found on my grandma's side, I know that she came from Scotland, and then she went to Ireland, and this was like in the 1600s, 1700s, um, and then later immigrated to America, so my mom's family... Do you, do you know
0: what, 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 what general era that was?
1: Uh, yeah, like the 1700s. Oh, wow, um, that early. Yeah. Um, and I know that was at least, so yeah, my mom's side at least came quite a while ago. How did they
0: get out west?
1: Well, yeah, that's actually a story that I do know. Um, basically, my grandma, um, my I mom. St-
0: okay, let me establish. Your fam- you live in California. Your family's from California. You don't, okay. Your family, you grew up in California. Your family is in California. Just so we establish it. So, how did they get from Scotland, right. Ireland, to California? Just so, for people who don't know the background.
1: Right. Yes, I am a Californian, <laughs> um, Southern Californian, um, but I know that my mom's side of the family, or at least my grandma, like I said, um, she came from Georgia originally, and then she, her family, they were just farmers, um, and they moved up to Michigan, um, and that's where I, my grandma, growing up there, met my grandpa. Um, so they, and were,
0: and they were in Georgia for – 300 years
1: <laughs> probably, yeah. probably like uh debtors or whatever it yeah. was like <laughs>
0: is that where they first went when they came to america is that where they first went to georgia or
1: i'm not really sure honestly um i just know that was the starting point in america um or not i don't even know i just know that was where they left to get to michigan and then eventually to california so um
0: what 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 was the what were they farming up in michigan
1: i had no idea <laughs> i don't think they were farming by then I know that they were. Pro- I think they were more uh, union factory workers by then. But, um, yeah, uh, basically. So
0: they. I mean, like they basically just followed the agrarian history of America. They went from <laughs> farmers. <laughs> the to, of the Kane family. From farmer, they went from farmers <laughs> to working in a, in in Michigan Detroit, okay. and then going out west for sons and. Right. Surf and surf, I agree.
1: I <laughs> yes, exactly. So,
0: why did they go out to California? Champion surfer. Do you know why they went out to California from Michigan?
1: Because it was warm, essentially. Yeah. Um, but I don't know specifically. Well, did your,
0: mom grow, your mom grew up in California.
1: Yeah, all my, all my mom's siblings and her, she's one of five. Um, and they all grew up in California. So um, my mom, I thought about this the other day, and she's never left Orange County, which is kind of insane. I mean, it's a big county, but...
0: I mean, she's left, like, physically. I've seen her out of California.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean. She's never not lived in
0: Orange County. She went went to college and just sort of stayed in. Yeah. Okay. So was that a... Is that something that you don't identify with, of being in one place, or...?
1: Yeah, definitely not. Um, And I think for... Because both her and my dad... Never left Orange County. I mean, they both have lived there. They might have lived in L.A. County at one point, but not. It's a technicality. Exactly. It is. Um, But, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why they pushed me to go to Boston or just go somewhere else because they just wanted me to get out. Uh, Because it's it's a great place to grow up, but there's just not – I don't know. It's just it's Orange County. It's like the sprawl. It's um, it's not. You have to really look to find the culture here, um,
0: because there is. I mean, there's
1: obviously like ethnic communities, and there's a ton of great you know communities like that. But it's just not. It's kind of a boring place to grow up. Yeah. It's just it's the sprawl. Uh, and like I grew up right in the middle of that too. It's that's exactly what it is. Like when you think of a sprawl, that's where I was. So.
0: And, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to that. But so, let's go to your dad's side. What's the sure. story there?
1: Well, <laughs> if we're going to talk about agrarian history of the United States, my dad's side of the family were literally uh, Oklahoma people who moved to California during the Dust Bowl. Oh wow! Yeah, they were like literally Grace of coming over here, and like a like their car broke down or something they just, like, so they walked for the the three states basically yeah it's a crazy story um, but uh we still have a photo of my great grandparents in front of their farm in Oklahoma like just you know black and white old folk <laughs> but uh yeah so that that's when they came over here um, and then and
0: they, your dad then where's the japanese side from
1: um Yeah, because I'm a quarter Japanese. Yeah, yeah. that actually was just – I mean, that's after they moved to California. And my grandpa, my dad, uh, who's one of two, he's the oldest. um, And yeah, he just met uh, my grandma. I mean, it was just that they were living in Los Angeles. um, And actually where they were living – uh, the Japanese community; it, they live in Boyle Heights for the most part, which where, is, where East, is that? East LA. Okay. Um, so, and that's sort of around where my grandpa they had a gas station where USC's campus is now. Okay. So, and they were just there, so they met each other. Um, I mean, I, I mean,
0: what like that seems such a bizarre combination of like an Oklahoman farmer marrying a Japanese. <laughs> How long was your grandmother's family? Was she first generation, or
1: she? My grandma's first generation. Yeah. Did she speak uh, English?
0: Yes. I mean, no. Yeah, like, what you Your grandma? <laughs> <no>, I'm serious. <laughs> like my grandparents, when they met each other, did not like. My grandmother spoke Polish. My grandfather spoke Yiddish. They didn't. Right. Speak. I'm. I'm. I'm not being like. Oh I know. <laughs> glib. I'm serious. Like <laughs> I know. when she came to America. How long was she in America before she met your?
1: for She grew up here. Oh. She, oh,
0: she, oh. Sorry. So, I, I meant. Second. So she's. Second, so she came over, she was born in America.
1: Right. right. Okay. Um, Yeah, she never learned Japanese. So, uh, and I, it makes me, you know, it's just uh, the Japanese in particular, when they came over here, tried to uh, integrate as much as possible. So, yeah, uh, nobody speaks Japanese in my family anymore. Um, The last person who spoke it was my great-grandma. And she died back in like nineteen ninety eight. I mean, have, she was did like. You, did
0: you have any relationship with any of your grandparents, or
1: with my great grandparents, um, or,
0: or no, your great grandparents or your grandparents?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my grandma. She's um, she still lives basically in a house that <laughs> she's lived in for fifty years. So, um, but my grandpa, my grandpa died. This,
0: like, which which grandparents are this? This is your. This is my dad's side. Okay.
1: So yeah, my grandma, uh, she still lives in Orange County. My grandpa died back in like also when I was pretty young. So I don't really remember that much of him. I just remember that he was really tall, and would, like would really like just like yell at everybody. <laughs> but, um,
0: so there's there's a lot of there's, there's a long history in your family of yelling at people.
1: <laughs> yes, you can say that. <laughs> I mean, basically just yeah, because my that's my dad's side, so he's one of four. Um, and they're all just very loud. So I get that's so that's all my Japanese and Oklahoman side, Um, and they're just very loud.
0: Oklahomans, classically known
1: as yellers,
0: they just loud boisterous people. The Japanese,
1: yes, those, (laughs) yes, those boisterous Japanese. So, did
0: you have any? What so your relationship was mainly with your grandmother on your dad's side? That was your big.
1: Yeah, she's. Yeah, I mean, and I was close to my. Mom's side too, but they moved away uh, when I was relatively young. They're in Colorado now. But I'd say I'm pretty – like I I have a – I'm closer to my dad's side just because I grew up with them. There were more cousins around. Um, And yeah, so I've identified more with the Kane side for sure.
0: And what, what what are the heuristics of the Kane side that you sort of feel identified with? besides (laughs)
1: yawning, I guess so I don't know Uh, it's just I think really it was just that there were so many cousins on that side honestly and so I grew up with there were kids around actually on that side of the family on my other side there weren't any kids Um, I was the only one so I didn't feel like uh, it was just different and I liked my dad's side better just because I had you know, I had, like, nine cousins that I could play around with. Yeah. Well, I, I want
0: to ask about that, because, I mean, I'm not an only child, but my siblings are much older. So when I was right. growing up, I was, for a long time, the only one around. So I, I sort of know a little bit of what the only child experience can be like. Right. So what did being an only
1: child sort of mean to you growing up? Um, <laughs> well, it's sort of interesting. I mean... Because, like like I said, even though I was pretty close with my cousins growing up, I still felt, like, a little isolated. Um, I mean, I had a ton of friends, like, you know, just in middle school and all that. But, yeah, I felt – I mean, it was uh, – it is a weird dynamic, I mean, because uh, all my cousins have sis- brothers and sisters. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like an only child. I mean, and
0: what what, what, what what is what is what is feeling like an only child mean,
1: sort of? It's almost just being a little more. Uh, I don't. I want to. I would say independent, but that's like a obviously a little bit of a biased. I'm saying that because I want to be independent, yeah. but at the same time, it's almost like you sort of, um, like, socially almost you're. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just... Uh,
0: well, how, how do you think it affected your relationship with your parents?
1: I mean, I'm really close to my parents. Um, and what does
0: what so, being, being really close to them mean? What does that mean? Well,
1: you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm close to them in that, uh, you know, we... I can tell them anything I'm doing. I mean, they're obviously have been supportive of me my entire life because they I'm the only one (laughs) right so um yeah it's just you know knowing that I have the constant support from them um did you ever
0: talk to them about why they pushed you so far to sort of go away and move to other places when that was something they didn't do have they ever sort of shared why they wanted that for you when they didn't do it
1: Not in any, like, sort of definitive conversation, but I basically know it's because both my parents, I think they sort of are the, uh, they're a little bit outside the rest of the family, just a little bit. Um, They're both smart people, and they just, I know that they felt like they both could have done more, I think. Um, Like, I think they are both, um, you know, felt like, just being a part of a big family um, and sort of being in the middle of both of those families, they um, probably felt like... uh, And sort of growing up in Orange County, like, there wasn't really the culture of, like, going to school and, like, doing all that. Because people um, in Orange
0: County just don't go to school. They they don't? Well, really, I mean, it was sort of... When you say the culture of Orange County, can you just, like, give a brief... What what does that
1: mean to you? I mean, it's conservative. Uh, It was farmed here as of, like, you know, 30, 40 years ago. As of 20 uh,
0: minutes ago, it was just... It's <laughs> just put up another parking lot. Yeah. So, so, so you, your family was, your your parents were liberal when the majority of your family wasn't, or?
1: Yeah, that might be part of it, too. Um, and I'm sort of learning that now with Facebook. That's an interesting thing to sort of... Do, have you ever talked to your parents about how that sort of happened, like,
0: where that strain appeared, that they were sort of liberal when everyone else was...
1: No, um, I mean, I know for my mom, she just has always been, she has like a sense of justice that I think is sort of unique to uh, the liberal viewpoint. She just always felt like she wanted to help people and to, more so than the rest of my family. Um, and I mean, my grandma too was, my mom's mom was all just, you know, pretty liberal. Um, And so that's a pretty weird thing in Orange County, I mean, because most people are, it's a pretty conservative place, Um, but so to sort of even be liberal, like just being that mindset in Orange County, you already are sort of outside the, you know, social spectrum, the political spectrum. Um, So I think there's just an independent streak.
0: Did you feel feel isolated growing up or from... My mom? No, just, no, you, just in general, from where you were growing up or if your family was liberal when the rest of
1: your family wasn't, did you feel isolated like you had to? No, I mean, it's not anything like, and I, I just growing up, you wouldn't have noticed it really. Um, it's just now that I'm sort of learning. Uh, looking looking back at it, you sort of see. Yeah, now I see, like, the signs of, like, I understand now sort of what the, where my, me and my mom mostly stood amongst the rest of the sort of. Well, I mean, like. When ser- you-
0: when you say your mom, like she had a real sense of justice and like helping people, do you associate that with what you view as journalism? As those are, do you associate those two, that mm. with journalism at all? A real yeah, sense of justice, bit. like yeah, a little bit. Um, do, you, do you see journalism as a way of helping people, or is that not is that not an association to you? Um. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I I started. Uh or I mean when I really got into journalism, that was something I wanted to do. Um it's I think I I mean I think it's something that a lot of journalists want to do because it's a public most people think they're doing some kind of public good. But yeah, for me too, like I felt like that was something I wanted to do to help people. So um, I mean
0: there's 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 that famous that famous phrase which is that if you like scratch at a cynic, there's an optimist underneath.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And and so do you do you did you did you ever feel that you're that you were optimistic about something or that you something something societally let you down and that you turned you into a cynic or <laughs> do, I mean it's, it's, do you see cynicism as is just as a as a means of finding the truth or do you find it as a means that you don't think things are going to go well? Well. Um that wasn't that wasn't like an either or question. It's just sort of like do you see cynicism as all things are going to end up in failure or corruption or that
1: yeah, do you see cynicism
0: what, as that you wish things could be better? Or I mean sort of what what is your
1: It's definitely the latter. I mean, it's cuz that's why, you know, when I said like cynicism, like I don't like the word so much cuz it's so negative. Um because I definitely don't, I mean, I definitely don't uh, view it as everything's just going to go to shit anyways. Like, you know, do if you, you can bring you, something you, to light. Even uh, outside
0: of work, but outside of work, do you view, that, do you feel like you view things in your life that way, that things are going to go bad? Or do you think that that is something that is exclusively to?
1: No, I am definitely not like a personal, like I, I always am pretty actually optimistic about what I'm doing. Um... Like, even though. So, like when, for... you, when you
0: go to work in day and you put on your hat and your coffee, like, then you, like, <laughs> you put on your cynic shirt? Like, is it just like, how do you turn that on and off? Well, it's not. Um... <laughs> well, it's funny Yeah, it's I, I, nice. I want not, to not to pause you, but I, I know when we we were roommates together in college, uh-huh. that was something I noticed about you that you could do. That yeah. you would be regular Josh, and then when it was time to go work in a newspaper, it was like, heel turn, different person don't fucking bother me. I'm going to work at the newspaper. There's right. no joking now. Where did that sort of ability to just sort of turn yourself off and then completely devote yourself to the seriousness of the work you were doing? Cause I've always noticed about you that you can sort of jump back and forth.
1: Yeah. Um, that's funny. Uh, I do. Well, I don't know if I like consciously feel that, but it's just like liking what you do really. Um, Like, being able to get to work and sort of – not that I don't joke around when I'm in a newsroom. I mean, I love – I mean, most – you know, I always get along with everybody in the newsroom and I have a lot of fun. But um, I think what – especially in college, like, I got that mindset because it was just so much work. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, at the Freep, it was pretty crazy. Like, it was the Daily Free press. I mean – it was a pretty crazy experience. Uh, I mean, I felt like I was working probably 60 hours a week. Uh, so
0: um, I, obviously I want to so, I, I talk about the, the Freak, which is the, the newspaper at BU, which was a big part of your life. But so like, let's just go back a couple years. So you're, you're in high school. You take the, your first journalism class. Yeah. Is that like immediately you go, I'm going to go to college for journalism? Or is that something, did you play with other ideas in between? Well,
1: <laughs> not really, uh, not really. Me. I, I, I considered like, I considered things like psychology and history and stuff like that, but I always knew it was writing. Um, and I knew that I liked reporting. Um, I just liked it. Uh, so I pretty much knew that that was something I was going to do. Um, and I mean, you know, I had those other interests, like I said, but I basically, like, that's why I applied to BU, um, and I applied to USC, and I applied to all the good journalism schools. Um, I didn't really apply to any place that didn't have a good journalism school, or at least a good tradition of it. Um, was, so, was, so, I i mean, I'll, I'll be
0: honest, like, which is that when I was applying to colleges, and I sort of, I knew I sort of wanted to do film, TV sort of stuff, I my goal was to go to NYU. Right. Which was 45 minutes from my childhood home. Right. And I also applied to BU cuz BU had a good film program in right. Syracuse and a bunch of other schools. Right. USC was too far from me, Boston seemed close enough. Yeah. And like I but I didn't get into I, I did not get into NYU. Right. If I would have gone to NYU, I probably would have gone to NYU. And I probably yeah. would have stayed closer to home. Right. So what what made what was your decision to go so? F- besides your parents pushing you, what sort of rang true about going across the country to Boston for college? Uh,
1: well, I actually vi- I visited obviously before I made a decision, um, and that was in. This was before I started applying. This was like maybe summer. Well, I guess right around the time you start applying, like summer of junior year, um, and I on my dad's side. My, my grandpa's uncle he um, he was a minister um, I mean his whole life I'm, you know he went and he went to BU for the, the theology school um, and he showed me around um, I mean he loved Boston so he took me there and he was like look you know I see a lot of you in me we didn't say this but we sort of had a connection in that way can
0: you, can, with a priest
1: he's not a priest
0: <laughs> oh okay. it's a Methodist.
1: <laughs> okay. So, He's a Methodist minister. So. so, I mean,
0: I don't, I don't think of you as a very religious person. So what, what no. was – when you said you saw, you saw a lot in each other, what, 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 did that, what was that about?
1: He was just a really intelligent guy, um, like really, really smart. Uh, I mean, he was the dean of the Clare, Claremont Colleges, like okay. their theology school. Um, so – and he just always was – he was another one in our family who just was sort of outside – Um, he just always was like the intellectual and like the, um, you know, he would travel all, he traveled all over the world. I mean, he, you know, um, his whole house was filled with like these artifacts of just like things like old wooden things and like paintings and stuff like that. Um, and so I don't know, we just, um, I think he always saw a little bit of me in him. Um, because he knew I was like really smart, um, growing up. Uh, and I mean, all my, my, all my cousins knew I was like really smart. I mean, they always were like, you're going to be the president one day. And I was like, I'm not going to do that well, as a five not, year old.
0: Not to be <laughs> cocky, but what is like, when you say that you view yourself as smart or people view you as smart, what, what, what do you mean? Like, what does that mean? What does that mean now? Like, what does that mean then? Like, what, what do you mean by the word smart?
1: Just i was like the I was always interested in reading I was the nerd <laughs> basically in the family did you associate did you, were you proud of that or no i don't think so um not growing up I don't think um it wasn't until I got to college that I really like embraced it um i mean I had always been sort of uh pretty self assured and like you know Uh, not that I was like picked on or anything like that in high school, but I just, you know, I think I really embraced the idea of it, like coming to school and sort of finding what I liked to do. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I grew up sort of thinking because I wasn't good at sports, even though I liked them. Uh, (laughs) but you know, I just, uh, it's just that sort of outsider mentality a little bit. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's sort of why me and my, you know, my grandpa's uncle uh, sort of connected. And so that's why he brought me to BU. I mean, he showed me around and I sort of just fell in love with the city. Um, And I knew it was either that or USC. And, I mean, that wasn't even really a a sure thing. Like, I didn't even know if I wanted to go to USC. I knew that I wanted to go to BU, just visiting there. So
0: besides Uh, your parents pushing you, what what about Boston or going across the country interested you or attracted
1: you? because it was so different, like, (laughs) just buildings, like, and old stuff, like, you don't get that in Orange County, you really just don't get that, Uh, nothing's old, Um, nothing is, like, interesting just to, like, look at, Um, and, you know, as good as the weather is here, just sort of being there and experiencing fall and, like, all you know, that. I'm serious. What, what, like what, I'm are, the, what are these in.
0: weird white things falling out of the sky?
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, and it felt like a good way to sort of get away from Orange County. Um, Did you, you feel – So anti, was Orange County
0: anti-smart?
1: Kind of. <laughs> it felt like it. I mean, when you're growing up, you sort of feel uh, – Anyone who sort of has that sort of nerdy, smart label on them, you sort of feel. Well, I mean, for me at least, you know, like I said, I felt that sort of outsider.
0: What what were it, you, what were the interests that you felt were outsider?
1: Just you know, um, you know, being into like uh, science fiction and fantasy literature and all that other kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, just reading and being like, you know, all that's, you know, the stuff that there's a pretty strong sports culture in Orange County. Sure. For sure. Um, I mean, it's where a lot of like NFL quarterbacks come from. Yeah. So it's a pretty strong culture of that. Um, but I also felt that I sort of straddled that line pretty well. Um, like I played football and my whole family, Basically, play football.
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird to think of yourself that you were like an outsider and a nerd, but you were, you played like on the football team. I, mean, I know. I,
1: <laughs> I felt like I was sort of king of the nerds sometimes. Because <laughs> you, I, you, you, I could you, basically... You, bridged,
0: you, 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 you protected the nerds from the. <laughs> right.
1: Yes, I did. So um, you,
0: you felt like your high school had that like traditional jock nerd boundary, or was that sort of a.
1: Well, um, it wasn't... Like, my high school was different. I went to a small private school. Um, but, uh... So, I definitely didn't get, like, the, uh... It, like, w- like, if I was going to a big public school... Basically, like, my parent, You know, they both went to big public schools. And they didn't want me to have that experience. So, they sent me to a, like, real small private school. And I went to private school my entire life. Um, so yeah I mean,
0: was, was there appeal that Boston was such a big school to then switch from
1: was there appeal yeah. there or yeah sure um uh, that definitely was something that was appealing um just sort of being able to get lost in a city and get lost in a school um you know it, it it uh it just really appealed in that way but um but yeah, my high school like i didn't like i I do feel like I straddled that boundary pretty well. Um, Like, I had friends in both, in both football and sort of the, the, uh, more, um, academic, you know, side of it. Um, but, you know, it was a small school, so it's not like there was a big divide. There was only like a hundred people in my grade, so, (laughs) it wasn't like, everybody knew each other. Um, it wasn't anything like really, uh, uh, you know, there were, there weren't really those like groups. Um, I mean, there were. I mean, there were cliques and stuff. But you know, you could sort of bridge it easily as I did, so that wasn't too bad. Um, I, I I do, even though I look back, even though I look look back on my high school experience and I sort of hated it. I think it was just me being like a little asshole teenager. <laughs> I mean,
0: everyone is an asshole teenager. I know,
1: but I was pretty. It was pretty bad. Like. I just was so angsty for no reason.
0: But what, what, <laughs> um, was your, what was your reason back then?
1: I don't know. Either just. I don't really know. I mean, there was just an besides, earthquake. Besides, there, besides hormones. Like, oh, there was just an earthquake here right now. Oh, crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course,
0: California. This, this
1: podcast has taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I need to save people. They're running outside. I don't
0: the, know. Who was it? The. San Andreas Fault is broken.
1: <laughs> California's just, going out to sea. It's just 2012 and like we're falling into the ocean. It's,
0: it's, no. it's 2014,
1: Josh. I mean the movie. The movie 2012 starring John Cusack.
0: I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> Everyone knows that movie.
0: I mean, John Cusack started all of the movies in the year 2012. This does not... That sounds like a great year for movies. John Cusack, all, every day, all day, every movie. <laughs> John
1: Cusack in Inception.
0: John, John Cusack in The
1: Artist. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Um, I would enjoy that. <laughs> so...
0: What were we even talking about? <laughs> just, John Cusack destroying California? I don't know. We've, we've lost yes. the thread. So, okay, so you go to... I I, I mean, what I keep noticing, excuse me if I'm harping on the point, but, like, it's so interesting that you're talking about journalism as this idea of just, like, being honest in the truth and finding the seriousness. And you said that... But you find these connections with people like your grandfather's Mm -hmm. uncle, your interest in science fiction. Yeah. All these sort of things that aren't literal truths. They're not... I mean, I don't want to get into the debate of whether religion is... A literal uh, interpretation of history or not—that's yeah. a conversation for a different time. But yeah these are all things, and but it's it's the experiences, it, it's experiencing things; those are truth to you. And yeah. it's it's the emotions behind them that are truth. And I just sort of think there's a really interesting dynamic between. I think you value things that are emotionally true over literally true. Or is that is that a unfair is that an unfair evaluation? Really getting deep into Josh
1: Cain. Yeah.
0: that is this is the Josh <laughs> Cain hour and change, but
1: I guess so. Um, well, um, I can see, but I, like I, I don't know if that's entirely true. I mean, I do value um, uh, sort of the factual, knowing what we know. Like I know, I like knowing. Uh, definitively something about something. But I also know, um, and this is also why I like reporting, because you get into these sort of complexities, like, I understand that there are multiple viewpoints to something. Um, I really understand, like, that's, I, uh, I always try to put myself in someone else's shoes, um, and just really understand, like, why their motivations for something. Um, so I understand that there is an emotional truth to everything. Um, I mean, you know, like I can see from where I could at least try, you know, I, I do that constantly when I'm trying to put myself in other people's, you know, shoes in that way. It's not going to make me, like, back down from, like, my youth Yeah. I, I mean, just, trust I just, me, I know
0: have... when we both went to school together in Boston, our, most of our friendship was based off of arguing with each other. So, oh, was it? <laughs> I, oh, was it? <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> well, no, you know what I always... Uh, oh God, Josh's camera has shaken again. It's, there's more earthquakes.
1: No, We're, that was just me moving it. Oh, okay. Um no
0: <laughs> well, I have to say, what I appreciate, like I appreciate about our friendship, is that we do like debate and argue all the time, but there's never a question of. I never question the validity of your opinion or your your mind. I know that they're coming from an intelligent place that we can debate with each other without it being personal that there's a, there's a baseline of trust and yeah. understanding that no matter what it's going to, like we can debate, but it's, it's not, it's, it's not out of anger or frustration or out of meanness. It's out of a
1: desire to
0: sort of understand. Or, yeah.
1: Something yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and I, <laughs> I think that's something that comes from, for me at least my part of it it comes from like i was talking about my dad's side they just yell all the time i mean all of our family get-togethers were debates yeah. no matter what although they most often more often than not they devolved into like my dad telling us how much he could bench <laughs> 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 so yeah that you, was you, you were
0: to your two hypotheses are wrong Look at my
1: abs! <laughs> well, I mean, it would just sort of devolve into them talking about high school football, which is well, really fun. <laughs> I, I, I would be
0: remiss to not mention this, but our first interaction with each other,
1: freshman oh, year, this is like
0: my favorite story. Oh, geez. You know which story I'm about to tell. Of course! Do you, do you want me to tell it or do you want to tell it? I mean... I mean, it, you tell your version of it. It's my interview with you. You can tell your version
1: of it. All I remember is, oranges.
0: So, as I remember it, my mom was walking around the, our freshman floor, and I just started hearing her yelling at somebody. And I think she she was yelling at this woman that the the fruit is called oranges. And this other woman was going, no, they're oranges. And they just started getting into this, like, actual fight with not, each other about
1: no, it, like, it. No, it was like, not. It was like a, they did. were,
0: like, sort of, like, like, it wasn't like a fight, but they were just just like getting really passionate about it. But like, no, orange, orange, orange. And then, like, to me, it was just funny because it completely, perfectly, <laughs> like, pre like, mediated our entire friendship. Like, that was. It just it was, got. Our moms were exa- acting the exact same way that we would, like, interact. And that was always got really funny. It shot directly
1: for me. Into, my, into our brains. And yes. yeah,
0: but just like, funny, that, but that sort of, like, same thing. Like, it was just sort of like a really bizarre moment where. Our parents and we had never met, but and our parents never met. But that the there was some sort of characteristic that both of our moms had, yeah, that completely then became ours, and it sort of was a very strange moment.
1: I mean, I remember it as (laughs) your mom coming up to my mom and hearing her say orange, and was like, (laughs) orange. That's what I remember. This I is like, Rashomon. There's now, like,
0: five different ways of this story. And just
1: <laughs> That's all I remember, honestly. Okay, but I always,
0: I always liked that story, because I always thought it was a really good example of... I like it, too.
1: I like your mom, too. Tell her hello. <laughs> I would also tell you, I'm sure she's listening. Probably.
0: <laughs> and if your mom is listening, hi, Mrs. Kane.
1: Hello, Mrs. Walnuts.
0: <laughs> um, so, getting back a little bit on track. Um. So, you go to college, and you're big... You, was there ever a moment when you are you're in Boston, you decided this is the right place to be. Was there ever a moment of crisis where you thought you're on the wrong track, you're in the wrong place, you want to be t- doing something else? Was there ever a moment in college that you were I'm um, on I'm um, that you thought I need to change direction or direction?
1: Um not with journalism. No. Um, I was more <laughs> I was always in a state of crisis over, like, grades and stuff for no reason. Um, I, I mean, always thought grades
0: are important. It's not, it's not, it's not there's no
1: reason. Well, they're sort of important. <laughs> I was just always concerned I was going to, like, fail out of college. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like, in terms of... I guess there was the, the, the sort of crises when you're hearing about what's happening to the news industry... Um, there wasn't anything for me where I was like, um, so so, not just put a pin in that for a
0: second. So there was never a fear of living outside of California that there was, that was not a huge adjustment for you.
1: No, not really. Um, I liked, I just love being in a different place. Honestly. Um, I really, uh, felt at home at BU Um, in a way that I didn't feel at home in Orange County um, or just in Southern California. Um, Just because it was more liberal politically? No, it's Um. not even that. Um, Because honestly, like, even though I talk about the sort of political ramifications of living in Orange County, it's not something that I, like I said, it's not something that I felt was weighing down on me in any way. But um, I just felt at home. Uh, I sort of told people when I came back, I feel like I have like sort of a uh, more of a, I just like the East Coast. Um, I just like it. Um, I like the cities. I like all that stuff. Can you, um, can you,
0: can you, can you sort of think of an example of really what separates, separated Boston as a, from the orange, from Orange County as a heuristic what? or a personality to the county that really separated them or?
1: Well, I don't know. Um, it's just a feeling, honestly. Like, I don't know if I can nail it down. Um, or at least if I did, I don't know if it'd be a good enough answer. I just I don't know if uh, I really can't nail it down in that way. So uh, not to jump
0: around too much time wise, but at some you did at, you have recently you recently lived in San Francisco. So yeah, was, and that San Francisco is a very different place than. Oh yeah, Orange County. But so was it something unique to Boston, or was it something about Orange County?
1: I think it's honestly about Orange County. Okay. Everywhere else I've lived, even Houston now, I even like Houston better than I like Orange County. Um, <laughs> uh, there's just, I just. Is it just a like, place that
0: you grew up and you were just sick of it? or? I
1: think that's probably what it is. Um, but it's not even like, I still like coming back here. Like, I'm back here now, obviously, um, just for a little bit, but. I don't know. Um I think it was really just that like sorta when I was a teenager I felt really angsty and I wanted to get the hell out. Um, are you waving at someone? Yeah. What's happening?
0: Sam Sam is walking to the apartment. I'm Uh-oh. I'm interviewing Josh on the pocket.
1: Is he coming?
0: Yeah, he's coming from a run. I'm gonna close Ew. the door so Josh so can um sorry everybody. Wait, I gotta get a charger. Hold on. Wait, no, don't leave. Josh has left the podcast. The podcast is over. Thanks, everybody. I don't know if he's left or there's been such a bad, terrible earthquake. He's gone. Josh Kane is gone. I don't know where he's went. I'm staring at a blank screen. My last act. Oh, I see the wall. Oh, no, he's back. He's alive.
1: I dropped from the roof. I, <laughs> there's a whole, there's, my house is cracked in two. The great earthquake of August 23rd. What That's not <laughs> um, so, I
0: don't know. So, so, so I think so. It was. It, it's really just about not being in the open. So I'm. You've you've been at a ton of places since Boston, and we're kind of going okay. out of order. Um, but you chose to study abroad in Ireland. Yeah, and that was always sort of something interesting to me because I never really associated you as Irish, and I mean clearly going back, like there, that is. That is, your family has a long tradition in Scotland and Ireland.
1: Well, yeah.
0: And, I mean, your, your girlfriend at the time and your girlfriend now is Japanese. And yeah. And that was something that you always, so, so why did you feel like you were, why not study in Japan as opposed to Ireland?
1: <laughs> well, I, actually, you know, um, I had a feeling you might ask something sort of about this. Um, and so I thought about it. Well, and this is something I've thought about for a long time. Being Japanese in America, it just has nothing to do with being Japanese in Japan, you know. Um, the sort of culture here for Japanese people, uh, Japanese Americans, is so different. Um, really, like, um, the only thing that's similar, I mean, there's, um, there's the, uh, the sort of personality traits of just being Japanese, which... I mean, you know, varies from person to person, of course, but there's sort of the... But
0: you never associated with the sort of traditional...
1: Not Japan, not Japan, the country, no. Okay. Uh, Really, I associate, and I do sort of associate more with, like, the Japanese side of me, just because, like, I knew what it was. Like, I knew that I was, part of me was Japanese. And I didn't really know um, the other 75%, like, what it was. Right. We have an idea, um, and we know that we're some kind of mix of, like, uh, all the British Isles, essentially. We're basically – we're English, Welsh, Scottish. We might be Manx, too, which is kind of cool. Might be Um, what? The Isle of Man. You know that? (laughs) What what, what was the denonym? Manx? Yeah, that's what it is. M-A-N-X. Manx, I'm serious, yeah, I swear that might just be the language. it's but... a really terrible Devo cover band. are we not Manx? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be better if it was manish, wouldn't it <laughs> i am, I am manish <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty great. Uh, where are you
0: from? I am manish, yes I know oh, I right.
1: am manish, I see, <laughs> but um, so, but yeah, so, I think so, that's
0: so what was going to, why did you choose to study in Ireland
1: oh um <laughs> I don't know. I just found it more interesting. Um, I'd been to other parts of Europe, but um, and I, I'd never been to London, honestly. But for some reason, Ireland just was interesting. Um, and I do, I I did know that I had like Irish heritage, even though it wasn't like you know as strong as you know some of our other friends, obviously. Um, Sam Dykstra, who just
0: <laughs> barged in and ruined this podcast halfway through.
1: Yes, Sweaty Sam. Yes, the, the Sweaty Irish Sam. Um, but yeah, you know, I think. People, That's the worst
0: boxer name ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sweaty Irish Sam. In the corner,
0: Sweaty Irish <laughs> Sam Dykstra.
1: That'd be perfect. Um, but I think uh, it might not, you know, I think part of it's just where I grew up too. Um, associating with being Irish probably isn't as. When you when your family has moved across the entire country, there's kind of a reason. I mean, they're sort of you lose that cultural connection. Honestly, like you, feel like you
0: gained any of it back being there for?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um,
0: and what what does what that culture? what is that what does that mean? What does that culture mean?
1: It's just uh, like what does it mean to me? Yeah. Um, it's just understanding like. Part of myself that I didn't really get to understand before. really. Um,
0: what, 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 part, what, what part of yourself is that?
1: Just that, uh, you know, where I'm from, uh, where my ancestors are from. Because um, it's pretty easy to trace the line from immigrating from Japan. Like, we know yeah. that there's a, we came from that country. Um, and it was a direct line to California, to Los Angeles, really. They didn't live anywhere else. So it made it easier to sort of associate with the Japanese side. Um, but the sort of the the Irish and Welsh and English side, it's really hard to track and to know because there's just been so many generations that we've been here. And I wanted to sort of get, I mean, it was partially because I wanted to hang out with Sam Dykstra and Neil Riley and then also you guys in London. Yeah. <laughs> So that was also part of it, and it was cheaper going to Ireland, that was also another part of it. (laughs) Instead of of London? Yes. Um, So, but then, yeah, I mean Ireland just seemed interesting to me too. Um, (laughs) So, but yeah. Is there there
0: one thing that you you took from studying in Ireland that you think has either changed you or reinforced something that you learned about yourself? Um, If there was some sort of cultural knowledge. Very deep inside you that being there awoken or <laughs> enlightened the, a little
1: leprechaun just jumped out of me
0: <laughs> Like it's, was it like an alien, like an, ir, an ir, leprechaun? like seeing an alien just jumped out of your chest <laughs> no but'm like is there something that was culturally inside that you felt became clear about is did you feel that at all or um did you feel more in sync with your Irish roots or
1: yeah I mean definitely um so
0: what 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 would that be
1: um I mean, just sort of the, uh... well, and like seeing my family and like thinking about my family and then like seeing how Irish people sort of interacted, it reminded me of my family. I was like, oh, I see where some of this comes from, just like how we interact with each other. What specifics are that? Um, Just sort of the friendliness and the sort of like loudness. (laughs) Um, Because when you, I, I think when you think about like, white people in America and, like, just sort of the, you don't, I mean, if you're not part of, like, an ethnic, like, an ethnic enclave, like, in one of the big cities, you don't really feel a connection to that culture, and I think that's probably. And you you didn't. I didn't, not at all. It sort of gets back to the Orange County thing where there's no culture here, Um, and even for, like, just white people in California, so many people have come out here and have just like moved around Um, so you sort of lose it you lose that connection um, being here Um, unless you're still like I mean uh, there's still people who are really connected in that way but I think for a lot of transplants um, you you lose that connection so yeah I wanted to to get that back um, in addition to not spending an extra like $10,000 but But yeah, it was definitely a great experience sort of getting that and um, getting a little bit more in touch with my roots. Um, Yeah, it was just, you know, it was interesting. So getting – we'll
0: we'll go back to BU for one last thing. So your big thing when you were at BU was your dedication to the newspaper, the Daily Free Press. I was going to say the – which is no longer daily or or (laughs) pressed. It's just free. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it continues to be free, yes. But it's uh, no
0: longer daily, or is it actually pressed on the paper?
1: Well, yes, it's no longer pressed. It is daily because it will continue, it'll be minutely. It'll be. <laughs> so, I mean, do you, want
0: talk, do you want to talk briefly about how, like, what that working on that newspaper meant to you? Because that was a big part of your life, or.
1: Yeah. I mean. It, it really, I mean, and it's still a big part of my life, I feel like. Um, you really don't lose the connection to your college newspaper. Most people, I mean, I think a lot, everyone I've talked to is always, always has a story about their college newspaper. What, what was your connection to it? Just that I was there <laughs> so many hours of the day. But what what made
0: you stick it out and not crap out and not go, enough of this? This is ruining uh, my grades well, and
1: ruining my life. And <laughs> uh, Well... Um, it it never, but that's the thing, it never felt like it was ruining my college life. I always felt that my, uh, like, cause I think there's those like three things that you can do in college. There's like social life, academics, and like sleep, but for me, instead of sleep, you replace it with freep. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it did, so. So basically I got – I felt like the academic was infringing on my social and my free life. So really I felt – I was like – there were several times when I thought, I wish I could just drop out of school and be free full time. That would be great. (laughs) Like I would love to do that Um, and then just hang out with everybody because I really didn't sacrifice – I don't think I – I hope I didn't sacrifice some, uh, my social life as much. I mean, we
0: but. did call you weekend weekend dad for like <laughs> <minutes. laughs> when okay. you were editor. We referred to Josh as weekend dad because he only <laughs> saw him on the weekends.
1: <laughs> yes, I was the absent father. You're correct, um, but yeah, I mean, I really, uh, you know, I just felt uh, it was just such a strong. I love I every I loved the newsroom. I loved everybody in it. Um, that. You know, some of my best friends from the U, Um I still obviously keep in touch with. So, um, but yeah, it's just a, it's, and it was my first experience really just being sort of independently working at what I want to do. Because I'd had like internships and stuff in high school, but being at the free, you felt like a real journalist because you really were. Even though most of the stuff we were putting out was crap, but <laughs> but that's what it was for anyways. Um, and that's why I th- always thought it was funny when people were like, yeah, I read The Freak. And I'm like, bullshit. I don't care. First of all, I don't care if you read The Freak. I mean, maybe we, we'll do good stuff once in a while. But for the most part, it's a learning sort of laboratory. It's like the pro- the it's
0: process, process of doing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what it was for. And you know, if we could break something and do something great, we're going to do it. Like we covered all the... Political races in the city, and we did, the, and we really did good jobs with that. But, but it was the
0: repetition of having to do it every day and having absolutely, to, yeah. yeah.
1: And I can't replace that with anything. I got a better education at the free than I did in my classes for sure. Um, and my, even my, my, I'm pretty sure my professors knew that in a way. I mean, they knew besides like the law and ethics side of it and like other stuff like that, where you can't learn that anywhere else. But the but learning to be a reporter, there's no better way than working at your college paper. Yeah. I'm so
0: so exciting, so you know? Going back to where we started, which is where you are now. So now you're just you're at a paper in Houston. H town. And so you if I remember you went you went from Boston back to California to San Francisco to Houston. I did. And do you like the idea of being in transient or or having to move from place to place is the your connection to journalism. Do you feel like that is takes precedence over where you are?
1: Do I feel what?
0: That, um, being a journalist and being able to work as journalism takes precedence over choosing where you want to live.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's what's well, not, not entirely because I moved up to San Francisco to be nearer to Sam, my girlfriend. Um, like that's the only reason that I moved up there. Because I had come back home and I was home for probably like five months after graduation. Um, graduating in 2011 because I wasn't there that last semester. But, uh, neither was I. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I came back and I was working at like like shitty patch <laughs> that AOL site. That, that, th- that, that no longer exists? That it still exists. <laughs> it's still around, but it just... I don't sucked. think it actually ever... It doesn't exist. It exists in name. I don't think it actually exists. Probably. It's just it's just maintained by robots. Um, but uh, I hated that, and I couldn't find any work in L.A., um, so I just moved. I was just like, I want to be closer to my girlfriend for the first time in like a year or so. <laughs> then, you so know, I did, you did, did it. it and then I moved up there and I found a job and then I, through that internship that I did for like a year, I got a job in Houston, so. And uh, what, what was moving, like you have no roots in
0: Houston, you have no.
1: Yeah, that place. was crazy. Um, but
0: what, what was that like moving to a place that, even Boston you had a connection to, you saw it, you loved it. Houston you kind of just threw yourself yeah. into and what, what does that feel like now that you've been there, for, after you've been there for a while?
1: It's it's okay. Um it's not it was a little scary. Um it was my fir- definitely like my first. I had had jobs before but none that were like salaried like you will be here every day <laughs> working kind of job. Um so it was pretty scary. Um and I didn't know what to expect. Um but I've liked it so far. I mean it's partially because like I liked I worked at the Houston Business Journal first, um, moving out there. And I really, all the people in the newsroom were fantastic. Um, just, you know, a really mostly young newsroom. Um, and that was exciting, just working with them. But I didn't like the job enough. So then I, just through a connection at the Houston Chronicle, I got this job um, covering oil and gas, of course, because that's all Houston, that matters in Houston. But yeah, just it was pretty scary moving out here, um, but I have enjoyed it. Like I, that's what I'm sort of grateful for in my personality too. That I can just sort of adapt to wherever I am, um, without you, a lot of problems. You, do you feel
0: like it's something that you've learned over the last. Couple, you've learned how to do.
1: It's not even just learning. I just I don't know what it is. Um, just going to Boston, I had the same sort of. Um, I felt the same motivation to move somewhere. It might also be that I'm not willing to commit to any place. So <laughs> that might be it too. What is that? Why are you scared to commit to? I don't know. Place? It doesn't make any sense because I've been in a relationship for five years. So <laughs> There's the between
0: committing to places and committing to people, that's a different thing.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I I don't have any qualms about moving any any place because um, I know all find friends and be okay most likely
0: that's a uh, that's a that's a good thing to have to feel that you can move from place to place and feel like you'll, you can you can make it work yeah i don't know if i, know if I have that in, if i can if i feel that way i don't feel that i don't <laughs> I, was like, I don't know if i can feel that way and I like, no i don't it's not that i don't think i i know i
1: don't i can't right. just do that so it's, right that's yeah like, that, that's i know it. that's why i'm saying like i feel pretty fortunate having that in me that I can do it, Uh, because I know, I realize, now I realize, like, because it was something that I thought about, like, because I knew people who had gotten into BU in high school, and I was like, let's all go, let's all go to Boston. But I was the only one to leave, and I was like, why didn't they do that? Like, I didn't understand it. Um, But now I understand that, like, it's, you know, it's something about, like, my, my brain works it, I, I I just am better able to adapt, and that's just you know not everyone has that, and they don't need to have that. But it's been helpful for me just trying to get jobs. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's just a different. Uh, I think it's helpful in my field too. Just like a lot of people have to move around. Um, like and a that, lot of journalists that I know. Young and journalists, and
0: that's a that, lifestyle you feel comfortable with.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of young journalists have moved around. I mean, you're living with one who moved to New York. It's not a huge like distance wise, but it's still a pretty big yeah. Like in your mind, you're moving somewhere that's I mean, completely different than anywhere you've lived before. So and I know people who've moved to San Francisco from Massachusetts. So that's a huge move too. Do you I think mean, do you think
0: that's the nature of the fact that journalism jobs are harder to find? Or something about people who are
1: journalists? It, I I do, I do well. Uh, yes to the first one. <laughs>
0: yes to that question. Yes to that question.
1: <laughs> yes, you're correct. <laughs> it is hard to find jobs in journalism, but at the same time, all the people I know are employed. So who are in journalism? So that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, or you know, who started in journalism that I knew through the Freep and like you know started doing that um they they all got jobs miraculously <laughs> um,
0: I, I, I just I, I just noticed that all my friends who are journalists do have that ability of being like yeah if i got a job in this in the in boise idaho i would take it in a second if that was like if that was an opportunity and there, it's, that's always been a thing that i've respected because i don't have that ability to just sort of go i will move to this place because this
1: Yeah, there are people I know who've moved to. Well, we both know one of our friends from BU went to Alaska. Still there. I know other journal. There's several other journalists who I know who have moved to Alaska.
0: So, what do you think? What do you think it is about journalists that allow them to just sort of?
1: I don't know. That's what. That's why I think that is what drew me to it. When you're sort of asking about why I was so dedicated to it, it's just. I don't know. It's the It's in your bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bleed ink. Yeah, That's, I don't know. That, that 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 might be a problem. Oh God!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need to get out of here.
1: Earthquakes and ink
0: bleeding. I write all my newspapers in blood. <laughs> Sorry, I threw you off. But no, thing. no. But but it's it's something. Th- there's something there between journalists and being able to just sort of
1: transplant yeah, I don't yourself. Know. I don't know what it is. We just have that gene for some reason. Um and it it's I think it's it's part ambition and it's part um being sort of independent. Um you don't want to be just as you
0: don't want to be beholden to what people are telling you is happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like- I mean, it's it's you have to have a certain mindset, I think. Um and even, like, the nicest person in a newsroom, like, the last newsroom I was in, the nicest person, she's this, like, mom, like, middle-aged, and she's so nice. But even she will get on the phone with someone and just scream, like, <laughs> like just, you know, obscenities at them and be like, are you kidding me? Like, she'll just, it's amazing the things that come out of these people. Um, but it's just, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just that competitiveness and ambition and being sort of in, independent. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, uh, it's a particular feature of journalists, I guess. So. Um,
0: well, no, I think that's a that's a good place to wrap it up.
1: Yeah, defining what all journalists are like.
0: No, but has, no you, you know, I think I think it, it fits into <laughs> talking about your story and like, I'm yeah. not going to say because your parents moved all around the, your grandparents moved around the country a lot that that's yeah. because you can't. I'm not going to draw a direct line there, but I think that. It makes <laughs> it, it, it make, I mean, think it, it makes sense seeing how your family has moved around and sort of
1: yeah. moving
0: from culture to culture. That the idea of you being yes. flexible to do different things. But I think it, I think it all sort of comes around.
1: Yeah, I, I will. Draw, I will draw that line. I will. Yes, okay. that's why.
0: <laughs> is there is is there anything you think I missed that you want to talk about
1: or um oh so many things really, not really? Not really. we're pretty good okay. Uh, so
0: now this is the opportunity, we've, ta- we've now talked about you for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, this is your chance yeah. if you want to ask me a question.
1: Um, how does one grow a beard like that? I mean, is it like... This is not even I'm, a beard, this is like just not shaving for a few weeks. I understand, but okay, what is it like having a be- being able to grow a beard that full and great? Okay, I'm this is serious. supposed to
0: be like a like a serious like about my life. Question. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the most. This is the longest we've gone with a serious conversation without a dumb. <laughs> there were some dumb jokes, but this is this is exactly. not how you and me usually talk. So I guess I'm not even joking
1: though. Like I want to know what it's like. What like physically? How to have a beard? Besides it being itchy. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say
0: it's itchy. That is basically what's happening right now. It's now itchy. Yeah. Well, it just kind of happens.
1: I'm jealous, I'll never have that
0: <laughs> um was it be? it's I think it's sort of just like it's like a good calendar on your face like you just <laughs> don't know when time has passed like when you shave just your beard, so-
1: you're
0: like okay, you're like, oh it's been a oh i've i I know it's been a couple of weeks. I need to get <laughs> rid of this thing. it's appeared
1: that's why I track my life in like. Afternoons like when my beard is the fullest it's ever going to get, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like,
0: I it's 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 weird, like, I, I think I, I when I was like 15 maybe, I first grew sideburns. Oh, geez, and I don't remember what life is like without sideburns. Yeah. Like, the beard comes and goes, but the sideburns stay, yeah. And I'm really scared to see myself in 10 years without the sideburns. I'm scared oh, of like. Geez. I yeah. will not recognize myself. I'll have like facial dysmorphia, and I'll be like, "Who is this person?" It's that I'm more worried about the sideburns and the beard.
1: That'd be amazing. Um, well, I do have a okay. I mean, I do. I am interested in your your venturing into being a creative. Like, I think I. It's just. I think that's something I'm never gonna be. That's something I'd never be able to do because um, I don't think I'm a creative person in that way. And I'm just I mean, wondering, like. I don't know if I can do
0: it either. I really <laughs> hope I can, but you know, right. I but I think it's it's something I talked we talked about a little bit. But I think it's the same idea, which is that it's a it's a art and journalism. It's still research. Art yeah. is just is a interpretation of what is going on in the world, and art is every artist will tell you it's ninety percent ingesting materials and it's ten percent. X just pooping them out. It's <laughs> it's it's it, 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 it's it's artists. It's it, it's 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 just it's a different way of instead of just saying, choosing which is true or not. It's what is more emotionally true or what is a position that I feel needs to be taken. Right. I'm processing those things and whether it's a story like Star Wars is Star Wars, but just to use an example of a movie we both love. Like I see Star Wars as a great movie, but I also see how much of it is dictated by George Lucas's history and what was going on in the right. 70s and all those different things. And to me, that is going through, it's sort of just the thing is that when you have all these things in your head that you're noticing or reading about, artists, I think, creatives are just as interested in news or what is happening in the world as journalists are. It's just right. something that slightly changes that instead of reporting it or making that, I'm not gonna say it's, that I view it as less important Right. But that there's, there's there might be more honesty in twisting something or fudging something or making something bigger when it was smaller that then creates more of an illusion of truth than the actual truth. And this is an argument we've always had a lot. Because you've always accused me of telling stories that are not exactly as they happened. Okay, well. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Which I then realized like, oh, so I should be a stand-up because that's what stand-ups do is they kind of lie a little bit. Well, but but, but but I think what he advise that is that on, you can you can't you can make you can sort of lie a little bit in stand up, but if it's not right. honest, it's never going to be funny. So there's right. a lie there. I think you can you can embiggen and minimize, but the heart of something it's if it's not truthful and it's not coming from a thing that people understand. If you're completely making it up, right. it's not going to connect to people. Right. And there's a yeah. line there, but I think that there's some space between the, the two. I
1: think they're not as different as you think. It's just the... A... Right. You, you just sort of blew my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how? I never really connected it in that way. I mean, I knew everything that you Like, I understand, like, the sort of, when artists create something and it's like a reflection of what was going on, but connecting it to reporting in that way, that's sort of like, whoa, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, we
0: both love The Wire. I think like, The Wire's a really good version yeah. about that.
1: Like, he was a reporter for years. We brought it back to the wire. Somehow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have a note like bring back to the wire. But um, it's not, that's a perfect example. That is a journalist who knew about stories. None of the people in the wire are real people. They're not necessarily real events. But that that is more, I think that's more educating, ed, edu, educatable, educational. Right. I get to the, educating than some newspaper articles I've read or books I've read because yeah. it, it's still truthful, but it, it's able to present in a different way. So I don't know if there, the line between being creative and a journalist isn't sometimes that wide.
1: Yeah. It's the same goal. Uh, yeah. And it's just a different way to get to it. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's just interesting. Um, I, I I never considered it that way. So I'm glad I asked. <laughs> yeah. So you, cool. feel, you feel good about this? Feeling pretty good. We've talked for an hour and 40 minutes now. An hour and a half, yeah. You can edit that and post.
0: <laughs> I edited three hours in which we yelled at each other just out of the middle this is the re- <laughs> This is the yes. cut version there is one in which we just <laughs> at each other first. <laughs> this is the cut version you don't want to hear the original nine hour interview coming out on DVD years from now <laughs> the anthology <laughs> the Josh Kane, Alex Walnut argument discussion anthology that'd be great, who wouldn't buy that? Everyone, everyone would not buy that. <laughs> I would not buy that. Damn it. <laughs> My dreams <laughs> shattered. That's your book. Your book is about us arguing. That is, that is too long. I will get started. <laughs> okay, thanks. thanks so much for doing this, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye.